Hey everyone, it's Leslie Ludi, host of the Set Apart Girl podcast, biblical encouragement for women of all ages. Today we're going to talk about something that has been on my mind a lot lately, as well as on my husband's mind, respecting authority. We live in a generation when respect for authority just seems to be declining at such a rapid rate to the point where really the younger generation doesn't even understand the concept or see why it's even necessary to respect authority. And there have been recent studies that have shown that one of the chief characteristics of today's younger generations is that they are the most likely to betray their mentors than any other generation in history. That is really astounding to think about an entire generation or two who is bent in the direction of betrayal and disregard towards those who have mentored them or invested into them or have been placed in authority over them. It might be criticizing the parents who raised them, dishonoring the leaders who discipled and trained them, or casually dismissing elders, disregarding those who have been placed in authority over us, and sort of feeling that it's completely fine to treat these people with disrespect and dishonor and disregard. Our ministry team has talked about this challenge a lot over the past few years because we have really seen and heard from so many parents and ministry leaders all over the world of this this sort of widespread attitude of disregard for authority. And it reminds us so much of some of the scriptures that we see in the New Testament that that indicate how things will be in the last days. In Romans 1.30, it says they are whispers, backbiters, proud, boasters, disobedient to parents. And then in 1 Timothy 3.2, it's specifically talking about what things will be like in the last times. And it says men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, and unholy. And those two characteristics, disobedient to parents and unthankful, We have seen that time and time and time again. And it's not just disobedient towards parents or or being unthankful towards parents, but really being unthankful and, and dishonorable towards anyone in authority. And in fact, someone on our staff actually started calling this problem the spirit of the age because it is such a prevalent thing. And yet it's not a light thing to God. Proverbs 20, 20 says, whoever curses his father or his mother, his lamp will be put out in deep darkness. Now to curse in this verse means to lightly esteem or to slight, to not treat with honor or importance. So it's basically just treating those who have invested in your life or those who are in authority over you with just sort of a a casual disregard, treating them as if they are not important. And this is such an accurate description of how so many of us have treated our parents and those in authority over us, whether it be spiritual authority or even government authority. Now, we've talked about honoring parents before on this podcast, but I want to go a little deeper into just the principle of respect and honoring anyone that God has placed in a position of authority over us and how important that is in the Christian life. 
The entire attitude of our nation right now is really one of disrespect and disregard towards authority. But instead of pointing the finger at other people or looking at this issue from a political standpoint, I'd like to challenge you to let God shine his searchlight into your life, into my life. Let's let God purify us as the church and so that we can be right in this area of our lives before we begin trying to solve the more global issue that we see happening in our culture today. I'd like to share with you a few principles that can help you guard your own soul against this spirit of the age, this disrespect and disregard for authority, which is so prevalent in our day. And one of the things that you'll notice if this is an area that you've ever seen in other people or struggled with in your own life is that when we bring up the topic of respecting and honoring authority, everyone nods along with it and says, oh, that's great. That's important. I agree. We should honor authority. But oftentimes in our own lives, we have a blind spot. We don't realize that we're treating our parents or our leaders with a disregard. And sometimes it's very subtle how it happens. And oftentimes we feel very justified in doing it. It's like, well, we don't agree with how they're acting or we've seen these things in their lives and we think that we're completely justified in treating them that way. But I'd like to look at what the Bible has to say and give you some practical tidbits that can maybe help you guard against this subtle disregard for authority creeping into your own life. The first one is don't be wise in your own eyes. This is probably the number one thing that leads to dishonoring and disrespecting our authority is thinking that we're right and everyone else is wrong or that we can see clearly and that those in authority over us cannot. They're just somehow blind. And this is a really common thing among young people, teenagers and college students. In fact, the word sophomore, you may have heard this, actually means a moron who thinks he is wise. So oftentimes sophomores in high school or college will have that kind of sophomore syndrome come over them where they're really not acting in true wisdom at all, but they believe they are. And maybe that's something you've walked through or seen in other people. I know I certainly went through a phase like that in my high school years where I just really thought I could see everything clearly and that my parents were complete idiots. And then I began to really open my eyes or God really began to open my eyes to the fact that I was really the ignorant one and my parents had the wisdom that I needed. Proverbs 12, 15 says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. And that is so true. If you're right in your own eyes, then you really don't want to hear other people's counsel. You don't want to hear anyone else's opinion. You just want to um, just sort of take a strong stand in what you think is right. And you're not willing to consider the fact that other people might have a helpful perspective. Proverbs 3, 7 says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. So when you're wise in your own eyes, the natural trajectory is that you don't fear the Lord and you don't depart from evil. It doesn't lead anywhere good when you're wise in your own eyes. You're full of pride and you think that you're the one who sees clearly and no one else does. And then Proverbs 26, 12 says, do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. The Bible is not silent on this issue. So if we choose to say, I'm going to just stand doggedly in my own position, not listen to anybody else's counsel, I'm always right and everybody else is always wrong, then the Bible says there's actually more hope for a fool than for a person like that. And then in Isaiah 5, 21, woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. 
if you think about it, even the Apostle Paul did not claim to have arrived in his Christian journey. He says in Philippians 3.12, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect. Now, that doesn't mean he was just wallowing in his sin and imperfection. He was pressing on, and he was allowing God to purify him and constantly take him deeper. And he was saying, follow me as I follow Christ. So clearly, he was gaining ground in his spiritual life, but he also admitted that he was not already made perfect or had not already attained the pinnacle of everything that God had for him. And so if even the Apostle Paul is admitting that he hasn't been able to see completely clearly in his spiritual life, then who are we as these young people who get so proud and think that we know everything? Who are we to think that we have already arrived? One rule of thumb that you can pretty much bank on is that if you think you have everything figured out, you don't. If you are sitting there thinking, I really don't need anyone to tell me anything, I know everything. I mean, I've heard young people say, we don't need to go to church. We don't need uh, spiritual input into our lives. We don't need Christian leaders over us because we can just read the Bible for ourselves. Yes, it's very true that every single person can read the Bible for themselves and God can speak to us through his word, but he also has established authority in the body of Christ. And he has established the gathering together of believers. He's established spiritual elders and leaders to help keep us on that straight and narrow path and to confirm the things that God is is teaching us and to bring caution when caution is needed. So it's a very dangerous attitude to say, I've got this all figured out myself. There is a reason that God asks us to respect our elders and honor the authorities in our lives. Oftentimes, they can see things that we can't. They have more experience. They've lived longer. And oftentimes, they can see when we're headed in the wrong direction, even when we might be blind to it. So it's really important to set our life before trusted elders, leaders, authority figures, and allow them, invite them to offer their counsel and their input, rather than just saying, I've got this completely figured out on my own. Now, that doesn't mean that our elders and leaders and parents are always right. Sometimes maybe they're not seeing clearly or they're not truly right with God and they're not offering really godly counsel. But even if we don't agree with everything that they say or do, we are still asked to honor and respect their position and learn from those who have gone before us. In 1 Timothy 5.17, it says, Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. And I love that scripture because it's sort of like, showcasing how valuable it is to have the elders who are laboring in word and doctrine and watching out for the souls of those who are under their care, how those people, it's such an important role that God has given them and they should be treated with double honor, not with disregard and disrespect and uh, anger and pride, which is what we so often want to do because we don't maybe agree with everything that they're saying. Ephesians 6, 2 through 3 says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on the earth. It doesn't say, you know, honor your father and mother only if you agree with everything that they say and do. Now, of course, if a leader or a, a parent is asking you to do something that goes against the word of God, you just honor them to the point that 
you can. But then if they're asking you to go against God, you need to put God first. But in so many cases, our elders and leaders and parents really aren't asking us to do things that go against the word of God. We just don't really like what they're saying or they bother us or they annoy us. So we think that we have the right to dishonor and disregard them. In Leviticus 19.32, it says, you shall rise before the gray headed and honor the presence of an old man and fear your God. Wow, what an incredible statement that part of the way that we fear God is to to honor the elderly, to treat the elderly with respect instead of with disregard and sort of saying, well, they've already had their their day in the sun. They're really not worth much anymore, but to really treat them as worthy of double honor because of the long life that they live, because of the, the gray hair that they now have. And um, it's a very countercultural way to live. And yet I believe that if we as Christians began living this way, it would begin to set a different pattern in our culture. And then in Proverbs 20, 2322 listen to your father who begot you and do not despise your mother when she is old so the way to do this the way to bring that honor back into your life is to not be wise in your own eyes now i know there are a lot of questions that come up especially with older singles who are thinking well does that mean i have to obey everything my parents tell me i'm 45 years old and i'm a single woman do i need to you know always live at home and obey every single thing my parents have asked me to do that is something we really addressed in a different podcast, but honoring and obeying are are kind of in two different categories once we get to that age of an adult. You can still honor those in authority over you, or you can honor your parents, you can honor your elders without living as if you're um, a dependent child having to have them make all of your decisions for you. But if you are still a young person living at home, then there's more obedience and allowing them to make a lot of your decisions for you. It depends on your age and your situation. But honoring means truly regarding and respecting and treating with importance and inviting their counsel into your life. So no matter what age or season that you're in, you can still honor those in authority or those that are older than you or those who are your parents. The second point that I want to encourage you to do is to be watchful of self-justification. This is pretty similar to being wise in your own eyes, but when we want to self-justify, we usually want to lash out and criticize those who may not um, approve or agree with the way that we're living. And oftentimes it's our parents or maybe spiritual leaders or mentors that maybe we agreed with at one point in time, but then we maybe um, started to live a different way than they had always encouraged us to live. And then we want to somehow self-justify living that way. So the, the easiest way to do that is to look at those people and try to find ways to criticize them so that it justifies our position. Uh, an example of this, there was a girl I met who loved one of my books on purity. And she she read it cover to cover. She circled a lot of it. She highlighted it. She shared it with her friends. And then a f- couple of years later, she fell into sexual sin and was not living in purity. And she picked up the same book and she absolutely hated it. She disagreed with almost everything she read. She got mad at it. She crossed things out. She threw it across the room. She just, the book represented to her just really a conviction for how she was living, but she didn't see it that way. She saw it as, I need to lash out at the principles in this book and the person who wrote this book because 
um, I, I hate it. I disagree with it. I want to disregard it because that would give her the justification to keep living as she was. And then about a year after that, God really got a hold of her life and convicted her of her sin and she repented and she picked this book up again and she realized, wow, I agree with everything it says. I love it. I, I'm totally on board with this message. I don't know why it made me so mad in that season. And that is such a great example of what happens when we're living in self-justification. If you find yourself just really, really angry towards uh, a spiritual leader or a parent or someone in authority over you, and you just want to look for ways to shred them and criticize them and humiliate them, then it's very likely that you're living in some kind of sin and that person represents something that convicts you. And beware of that because so often you feel self-just, you feel justified in arguing with that person or disagreeing with them or um, really showing dishonor to them when in actuality, you're not justified in doing that. You're living in self-justification for your sin. I think I've shared on earlier podcasts the story of when I was um, watching a movie and recommending a movie to a, a friend and a mentor of mine. And it really was uh, an impure movie, but I was sort of looking past all of that thinking, oh, it's just so artistic and I don't agree with this part of it, but we can just overlook that. And then this this mentor of mine challenged me uh, of why I was watching this movie and recommending it as a Christian. And I immediately self-justified and said, well, she's got the problem. She's legalistic. She's holier than thou. She's critical. And I began to turn the finger back to her instead of letting God shine that searchlight of conviction in my own soul. So when God finally convicted me, I began to realize she had been completely appropriate in what she had said, and she was um, really just concerned for my soul and was showing love in what she did, and yet it took me a while to really see it that way. And in Luke 16, 15, Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees, and he says, You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. So keep in mind that you can try to come up with an excuse all day long to say, Well, I have every right to treat this person with disregard and to just uh, look at them as if they're the problem, but God knows your heart. If you're trying to cloak sin in your life, if you're trying to self-justify sin, remember that you can fool everybody else, but you can't fool God. So self-justification is not something that you want in your life. The third point that I want to encourage you is to not fight for the highest place, but to choose the lowest place. In other words, to choose humility. And all three of these principles really go hand in hand. They're all about choosing humility over pride because respecting authority, honoring authority really is an act of humility. And pride can't... um, can't really be in the picture when we're choosing to honor those in authority over us. If we let pride take over, then honoring authority is the last thing that we want to do. And oftentimes, a prideful, critical spirit towards authority comes when we're fighting for position and we're trying to prove our own value to the world. We want everybody to listen to us and and applaud what we have to say. And this makes us very susceptible to a spirit of pride. There are so many incredible stories throughout history of Christians that God mightily used to change the world, but before they were really ready to be used in such a big way, God had to challenge them to take the lowest place instead of fighting to be noticed and seen and applauded. And I've I've probably shared this story on other podcasts, but I love the example from Amy Carmichael where she was in India as a missionary. She was given the opportunity to travel and do evangelism and really make a big impact, and yet God 
kept bringing these needy babies into her life. And people really questioned, you know, is it right for you? You have so much to say and you're such a good communicator and you have all these opportunities to lead big evangelistic meetings. Is it really right for you to waste all of that, so to speak, on taking care of these little helpless babies? And Amy Carmichael prayed about it and she went to the word of God and she remembered the story of Jesus taking a towel and washing the dirt off of his disciples' feet, knowing that he came from God and went to God, he still chose to do that. And she said, the master never wastes the servant's time. If he took a towel, I can take a towel. It was such a turning point in her ministry. She had to learn that place of absolute humility instead of pride. And as she did that, as she chose that lowest place, God exalted her and gave her great fruit in her ministry in his own perfect time. James 4.10 says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. And it's not through pride and fighting for our own way that God will bless us and take us where he wants us to go in this life. It's through humility. And one of the ways we show humility is to honor those and listen to those that he's placed in authority over us. And then in Luke 19, 17, Jesus is speaking a parable and he's talking about those who were entrusted with things and some buried them in the sand and some invested them. And those who were faithful, he said, because you were faithful in a very little, have authority over 10 cities. It's when we humbly choose to be faithful with what God has given us that he gives us authority over more things. It's not through fighting for our own position and authority. It's through taking that lowest place and simply being faithful with what he's put right before us. And then lastly, choose gratitude and prayer over a critical spirit. I've used this quote before, but it's so worth revisiting. Oswald Chamber says, God never gives us discernment so that we may criticize, but that we may intercede. And that is so key when it comes to especially parents and spiritual leaders. Sometimes we may think that we see something in their lives that's not right. And maybe it's true. Maybe they're not uh, walking really closely with God or they're making fleshly decisions in their lives. But don't use that when you see something like that, don't use that as an excuse to just criticize them and disregard them and stop honoring them. Rather begin praying and interceding that God would open their eyes and continue to show honor and respect to the best of your ability. James 1.20 says, the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So if you're going forward in fleshly pride and anger trying to change someone or criticize someone, it's not going to produce righteousness in their life or in your life. It's so important in a situation like this to look for what you appreciate about the person rather than maybe the things you don't like or you disagree with. Just because you don't like everything they do or how they do it doesn't mean you can't still show honor and appreciation for the good qualities that they do have. And remember, just because you think you might see something wrong in their life, it does not justify fleshly, ungodly behavior toward them in response. We had a situation one time where a fellow pastor was so furious with us and he got Eric on the phone and began just screaming into the phone with absolute horrible language and profanity and accusations. And he felt completely justified in speaking that way. It was a very unchristlike way to talk with someone. But he felt like, uh, because I see, you know, these perceived weaknesses in your lives, you know, you don't do this right and you don't do that right. Then I have the uh, I'm justified in just screaming at you and screaming curses and profanity at you. And it was just such a clear picture of the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God because no one can receive correction 
information when it comes in that package. It's like your guard immediately goes up. And so just keep that in mind. If you're if you're being prideful and arrogant and know-it-all towards someone, especially someone in authority over you, that is not going to make a change in their life. Very likely, if you're going on a fleshly rampage against someone, you're not seeing clearly whatever weakness you think you might be seeing in their life. The reason is because you've got a plank in your eye of flesh and pride and anger, and you're not going to see clearly the speck that is in their eye, as it says in Luke 6, 42. Usually in situations where you think you're seeing something, the very first thing to do is to let God remove the plank from your own eye, as Jesus says, and then humbly pray and love and honor and trust God to change their heart if it needs to be changed. There may be a time and place where God calls you to speak something, but it's not going to be in sinful, fleshly anger and pride and arrogance. And remember to trust God to do his work in another person's soul. Don't think that you're serving God when you're really only serving your flesh and your pride. In John 16 2, Jesus says, they will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. We've had people in our ministry who feel like they they fall into a trap of pride and they feel like they're really doing God a favor by criticizing and publicly denouncing and humiliating and trying to draw people away from us. And a lot of times those people will come back a few years later and really apologize and say, I was so blinded by pride that I really felt like I was serving God by coming against you. And now I realize I was only serving my own pride. So be very aware of that when it comes to how you're treating your parents and those who are in authority over you. There was a girl who came to me once who wanted to know how to serve in her youth group at her church. She was a a single girl in her 20s, and she wanted to be involved in the youth of her church, but she didn't really agree with her youth leader. And she thought, well, maybe the thing I need to do is to write him a big letter about everything I'm concerned about or really sit down and confront him. But I told her, you know, the best thing you could do is just to come alongside and serve him and show him that you want to honor his position, honor his authority and serve these these kids right alongside him rather than cause discord and just let your pride kind of take center stage. And it turned out to be such an effective way to minister to the in her church. Even if she didn't agree with everything her youth leader did, he grew to actually trust her and want her perspective as he saw that she was just honoring and serving and giving rather than just criticizing and pushing her own agenda. And I've talked to young people who the very same thing in their own home, maybe they don't agree with their parents, maybe a young woman who doesn't agree with her father, but she began to show love and gratitude for the qualities that she did appreciate in his life. And it suddenly just changed him and softened him and motivated him to want to rise up to more. So begin to ask God, how can you love and serve and honor those that are over you that you may not agree with? And how can that maybe open a door for their heart to be changed? So remember, as you look around in our culture today, and you see the decline of any type of regard or respect for authority, start with your own life, begin honoring the authorities God has placed in your own home and in your own church, and set the example for God's pattern in this area. And you will begin to see something change in those around you because they'll look at your life and say, that is the way it's supposed to be. That's what's missing in our generation today. So it's amazing that you can be an incredible instrument of change just by starting and being faithful right where you are today. 
I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. For more on this topic or to go deeper into what it means to live a Christ-centered life, I encourage you to look at the resources we have available at setapartgirl.com. We have online courses that you can join every single month that are perfect for small groups or just great for your own personal walk with Christ. And we have a bi-monthly magazine that is just so rich with spiritual truth that can lead you closer to Jesus Christ with every page. So check those things out at setapartgirl.com. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.